What a wonderful joy and blessing it is to be back at Big Harpeth Primitive Baptist Church once again and to look out over this beautiful congregation and see your smiling faces tonight, to see the faces of precious saints who I've known for many, many years and also young faces that I don't recognize, which means that the church is still growing. And I rejoice in that great truth and look forward to meeting those of you that I do not know. I could spend a tremendous amount of time giving thanks to the Lord for the blessing of being with the ministers that are here tonight, so many that have come from a great distance to be in the house of God and to support the meeting. But it is a joy to be with brethren of like precious faith. And to be with each one of you, the precious saints of God, I wish all of you could have the privilege that I have of standing up here and looking out and seeing what I see at this moment. Trust me, it's the most beautiful thing in this world. And I rejoice in the blessed privilege of being with you tonight. I have been given the honor, of which I am so very unworthy, to have had the friends and been close to and labored with many able men of God in my lifetime. For 42 years, I've known the best of the best ministers that have been among our people from Virginia to California. But there is none that I hold more dear, for which I have more respect, who I love more and have more kindred in heart than your pastor. Elder Doyle Hurst is a man of God who is loved and respected throughout this country. And you have a wonderful ambassador for Christ from this church. And we were blessed to have him at our association this past April. And I had the privilege of having him uh, stay on the farm uh, with me and some other brethren that were there. And it was a wonderful joy to have him in our part of the country and to hear him proclaim the gospel once again. I want to draw your attention tonight to the book of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 23. And he turned him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Tonight I want to speak to you on the subject of the blessing of spiritual eyesight. Have you ever wondered why it is that you can see the doctrine of salvation by grace alone so clearly it makes perfect sense to you and yet you have loved ones and friends and acquaintances and co-workers that you've tried to explain it to and they just don't see it isn't that amazing you probably know people who love the Lord just as much as you do and as much as they understand about the Lord, they're trying to serve him just like you are. They have just as much sincerity in what they're doing as you do. And sometimes maybe even more zeal than we ought to have in the house of God. And yet, they can't see the beautiful truth that Jesus Christ saved his people from their sins. They're still trying to help him do it. You know, some people have the opinion that the gospel is the means by which we help Jesus get people to heaven. That unless somebody hears the gospel and believes it, they can't go to heaven. That's what is known as Arminianism. And we have a lot of loved ones and friends who go to churches where that's preached every Sunday. And the idea is presented to them that there are people dying and going to hell 
for one of the gospel. Now that would be a heavy burden to bear, wouldn't it? To drive home in a Cadillac, knowing that if you'd have given the money you spent on that Cadillac to the church, they could have got more souls to heaven. That'd be a heavy burden to bear, wouldn't it? To lay awake at night and worry about the eternal salvation of some soul that you thought was lost, that would be a grave burden to bear. How glorious it would be if they could see what we see. You know, I've never spent one night worrying about anybody dying and going to hell. Because I know that every single person that Jesus died for is going to heaven without the loss of one. That's so simple, isn't it? It's a glorious truth, isn't it? And what joy it brings to our heart and how it unburdens us from the burdens that other people carry that love the Lord just like we do. And then on the other hand, there are people that love the Lord like we do who wouldn't say you have to hear the gospel in order and believe it in order to go to heaven. But they would say, if you haven't heard the gospel and believed it, you're really not going. You just think you are. And they have the idea that unless you persevere in holiness, unless you've heard the gospel, believed it, persevere in it, and hold out faithful to the end, well, you were just a false professor. You really didn't. You just thought you were saved, but you really wouldn't. Now, friend, that would put a heavy burden on me to hear that, wouldn't it, you? To think that I just wasn't, I didn't hold out good enough. I wasn't good enough and I didn't hear the, and then you ask, say, well, what gospel do they have to hear? How much of the gospel do they have to hear? Because people in America have heard a lot more of the gospel than people who live behind the bamboo curtain of China who never even know what a Bible is, much less hear a gospel sermon. So how do they hear, believe, and prove that they're children of God? Oh, what a heavy burden that must be to think that you're holy, but not very many people else are holy going to heaven, and that heaven's just for a few people that you persevered with. Now, I believe we ought to persevere in holiness. I believe we ought to strive to be as holy because the Lord says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. But if I thought that you had to be as faithful as Abraham to get to heaven, that would leave me and Lot and some other people out. But I'm thankful to know that the scripture teaches that even Lot's righteous soul was vexed. That he had a righteous soul just like Abraham did because his soul was quickened by the same spirit that quickened Abraham's soul. And though Abraham's life is an exemplary life that gives glory to God, Yet Lot still enjoying the same glorious truths, the same glorious heaven, the same glorious blessings that Abraham's enjoying today because the Bible tells us that that righteous man, and if the Lord says he was righteous, then I dare you to tell me he wasn't. But how was he righteous? By his actions? No, he made the worst choices that you could make in life, but he was righteous through the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's in heaven tonight praising God. Now that upset some people to hear that kind of preaching, but you know what? I don't care. Because it's the only hope that poor sinners like you and me have, isn't it? That the Lord saves those pilgrims who don't progress, <laughs> who haven't progressed, whose only progress is in Jesus Christ the Lord. They're very sincere. But as I love to hear, as Elder Sonny Powell's, one of our favorite elders that used to come here back in the good old days, used to say they're sincerely wrong. Because God's word teaches that salvation is by the grace of God alone and not through religious effort. Amen. And therefore, everyone that Jesus died for, whether it be a glorious saint of God like Moses, or whether it be the thief on the cross, they're still in, both in heaven tonight because they went to heaven through what Jesus did. You see, if we start picking and choosing who goes to heaven, we would overlook some people that the Bible says are, are there. We wouldn't pick out the people that the Lord picked out, but praise God, the Lord is able to reach down to the lowest pit 
of depravity and pull one of his elect out of it and cause them to inherit thrones of glory. That's a glorious truth, isn't it? Salvation is by grace alone. It's not salvation by grace if or salvation by grace but. It's salvation by grace, period. Salvation is by grace alone. That's a glorious doctrine, is it not? And we can see that so clearly tonight. We don't have any trouble understanding how that Abraham and Moses and Lot and the thief on the cross are all four in heaven. We understand that because we understand that by the grace of God, they all made it the same exact way through what Jesus did at Calvary's cross. And that's beautiful to know. And if you know that tonight, if you've seen that in the gospel, your eyes are blessed. Jesus himself said, blessed are the eyes that see the things that you see. Because see, not every, all of God's elect have this blessing. Not all of God's children have been blessed to see what you see. The Lord turned and said that to his disciples. Do you think that that was the only children of God in that city that day? God had a people all over that city, didn't he? But he was talking to his disciples and he said, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And I want to talk to you tonight just for a few minutes about that blessing of seeing and knowing the truth. You see, we understand that as precious as the gospel is, as glorious as it is, as important as preaching the gospel is, and I, I tell you, I've dedicated my life. I don't do anything but. There's three things I do. I preach the gospel. I go get on the tractor and do a little bush hogging now and then, and I live to see my children and grandchildren. That's my life. I don't have any life beyond that. Don't have anything beyond that. Pastoring and serving Lord's people. I've dedicated my I love the gospel. It is my life. But I do not believe that it's instrumental in getting me to heaven. The gospel is not the way I get to heaven. It's the message to tell me how I got to heaven by the grace of an almighty God. You see the difference? The gospel doesn't bring life. Paul said it brings life and immortality to light. If it, this room was pitch dark, and we turn on the light, it wouldn't mean, the turn on the light wouldn't put you in this room. It would manifest the fact that you are in this room. And whenever you hear the gospel and believe it, it doesn't make you a child of God. It just manifests that you are a child of God. It turns the light on, on what the Lord has done in your soul. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him in John 8, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The gospel doesn't make you a child of God. It makes a child of God free. Does that see the difference? It frees the child of God from false doctrine and brings him to the knowledge of the truth. There are two things that are absolutely vital for someone to see the truth of the gospel. Just as there is two things that are important that are absolutely vital for you to see naturally, they are just as important for you to see spiritually. What do you need in order to see natural things? You need natural life. Dead men don't see anything, do they? They can't see anything. They can't hear anything. Dead men don't hear a thing. And even people that have life have to have what? Eyesight. Do you know anybody in this world that has life but not sight? There are people all over this world that have light and not sight. They're known as people that are blind, right? Does their blindness keep them from being alive? No. Their blindness simply keeps them from living as they want to live the life they have. You see the difference? They can't drive a car to church. They can't uh, read the Bible with their eyes. They have to have Braille. They, there are limitations on the blind, but that doesn't mean they don't have life. It's the same way in the spiritual realm. In order to see spiritual things, you first have to have spiritual life. And once you have spiritual life, you have to be given spiritual eyesight. Do you think that there are people in this world that have spiritual life but don't have spiritual eyesight? You better believe they do. There are many people in this world who are born again in the Spirit of God but cannot see the things that you see. 
cannot understand the thing. Do you think we're all the ones going to heaven? <laughs> you know better than that. We're the only people that preach that you don't have to be one of us to get to heaven. Everybody else says you got to join us to go to heaven. We say, well, you can go to heaven whether you join us or not. But we sure would love for you to join up with us because this is the land flowing with milk and honey. You get the point. You can have spiritual eternal life without having spiritual eyesight. And you can be blinded in this world. You see, a dead, spiritually dead person doesn't see anything. You remember what Paul said in Ephesians 2? And you have to be quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. He says, you're dead in sins before you're quickened, before you're made alive, before you're born again. You're dead. Dead people can't do anything. You can't tell a dead sinner, if you'll just do this, you'll get to be born again because he just can't do that. He doesn't have the life that it takes to do it. God must first initiate God must first move toward the sinner as Elder Michael Goins would say God Almighty is the one that does the makes the first move God moves to the sinner the sinner doesn't move to him you can find people all over the Bible that were brought to Jesus to get healed of diseases but you'll never find one time whenever a dead man came to Jesus to get life Jesus always went to the dead and you'll never find a dead sinner coming to Jesus to get life he must go to them and give them eternal life before that they're born again of the Spirit of God. That's simple, isn't it? Amen. But yet, think of all the people tonight that you love that can't see that, that don't understand that. Why is that? Because you have a blessing on your spiritual eyesight that they don't have. Does that mean they're not as good a child of God as you are? No. Does that mean that the Lord loves them less than he loves you? No. It means that God has blessed you with a blessing that you ought to be so eternally grateful for that you dedicate your life to serving him. That's what it means. The Lord says, the Apostle Paul says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. See, the world is blind. They have no fear of God before their eyes. Do you ever wonder why you believe in creation and they believe in evolution? You believe in Jesus Christ and they believe in the force being with them? Do you ever wonder why that is? It's because God Almighty has worked a work of grace in your heart and opened your eyes to see something they can't see. They're blind to it. Because dead men can't see a thing, can they? In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, the light of the body is the eye. That's just a simple fact. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore thy light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? You see, how great is the darkness that is in a dead sinner? It's so dark. It's darkness that can be felt. It's the kind of darkness that was in Egypt. It's the darkness of this world. You know, there are people, highly educated people, that will look you straight in the face with a, with a straight face, never blink, never crack a smile, and say, the light that you're seeing tonight started off trillions of years ago in the prehistoric past after an explosion of a primordial atom, and that light has traveled at the speed of light for trillions of years until it reached your eyeball. They say that with a straight face. I don't know who they think it is that measured that trillions of years that the light was traveling. I mean, I don't know what you know, their standard is by which they measured that, but I can tell you that anybody that believes that has to have a darkness in their mind. Anybody that believes that we are just here by accident and not through creation, has a darkness that keeps them, they're blind because they're dead and cannot see the things of God. What is the cure for death? What would the remedy be? You got it, you're smarter than the average bear. The only cure for death is life. There is no other cure for death than life. And who is the life giver? God. 
If a person has eternal life, God gave it to them by free and sovereign grace. They didn't go looking for it. They didn't acquire it. They have it by free and sovereign grace. God came to them. Well, you say, well, why doesn't everybody have life? Because God didn't give everybody life. You say, why didn't God give everybody life? Because God doesn't want to give everybody life. If God wanted to give everybody life, everybody would have it. But because God wanted to give it to his elect, they're the only ones that ever have it. And sometime between conception and death, in this natural world, they'll receive that eternal life through the powerful voice of the Son of God, our, our Lord. So, Jesus said, except to be born again, you cannot, what? See the kingdom of God. You can't see what you and I see tonight. A person that is not born again cannot see the kingdom of God. Why? Because you see it by faith, not by natural eyesight. You remember what Paul said to the church at Corinth? I have not seen, as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Your natural eye can't see it. Jesus told the Pharisees, the kingdom of God cometh not by what? Observation. You can't observe it with the natural eye. That's why scientists don't believe in the kingdom of God, because they can't observe it. Oh, by the way, they can't observe evolution either. That's right. They haven't observed the Big Bang. They didn't observe trillions of years of evolution. They made that up. And you can tell them I said so. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, it takes a lot more blindness to believe that than it does the faith that it takes to believe the truth. That this creation is here because of a creator. If I, get, if I get bogged down there, we'll be here all night. You, you get the point. The natural eye doesn't see it. As is written, the eye hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. Why not? Because his heart is blind. Jesus said, except to be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I'm sitting here looking at the kingdom of heaven tonight. I see the kingdom of God tonight, but I don't see it with my natural eyes. I see it through an eye of faith. Don't you see it? You know, I love that song, I'm dwelling on the mountain, where the golden sunlight beams, where the flowers bloom forever and the sun is always bright. I can see far down the mountain, where I wandered weary years, often hindered in my journey by the ghost of doubts and fears. Oh, broken vows and disappointments thickly sprinkled all the way, but the spirit led unerring to the land I hold today. Is not this the land of Beulah? Blessed, blessed land of light, where the flowers bloom forever and the sun is always bright. And by the way, if you want to know what those flowers are, they're the roses that never fade. <laughs> they're the children of God who are like the rose of Sharon and the brighter morning star. Well, here's what I want you to understand. You've got to have life, and the only person that can give life is God Almighty, and God gives it only to his elect people. And he doesn't give it to just a few primitive Baptists or a few people of another Christian religion. He gives it only to his elect people, and he gives it in every nation, kindred, tongue, and people on the earth. Amen. If, there ought to be, if there's anybody in the world that ought not be racist, it's primitive Baptist. Because we believe God is a people in every nation. Why on earth would you risk being mistreating one of your brothers or sisters in Christ? Because God has it elected every nation. Kindred, tongue, and people on the face of the earth. Isn't that glorious? Joseph had a coat of many colors, so does Jesus. And I tell you, child of God, tonight every single one of his people will be there in heaven and mortal glory, no matter what their circumstances were in this life. They may have been born behind the communist iron curtain of Russia. They may have been born behind the bamboo communist curtain of China. They may have been born behind the, the sand dunes of Islam in the Middle East. They may have been born in a place that they will put them in jail for reading the Bible. But if they're one of God's elect, Heaven is their home. Salvation is by the grace of God for them, just like it is for you. Jesus said, therefore, to Nicodemus, you know, Nicodemus, he, when he heard Jesus say, you must be born again, except you be born again. You cannot accept the man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is thinking in natural terms. He said, how can a man go through his mother's womb the second time? Jesus said, you're missing the point. 
natural life would just be natural life over and over and over. Okay? He said, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit of God. You must be born from above. <laughs> now, Jesus says to Nicodemus, marvel not that I said unto thee, that, and get this now, this is, this is a crucial point. Jesus said, marvel not that I said unto thee, that you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. The wind goes where it wants to go. The wind doesn't take orders from any preacher. It doesn't take orders from any man. No communist curtain can stop it. No nation can outlaw it. There's no part of this world where the wind doesn't blow. The wind bloweth where it listeth, where it pleases. Now you can see the effect of the wind. Now here's the sound thereof. You can tell when the wind... The Spirit of God's worked on somebody because they start singing songs like, I am a stranger here below. And what I am just hard to know. I am so vile, so full of sin, I fear that I'm not born again. When I experience call to mind, my understanding is so blind. All feeling sin seems to be gone, which makes me fear that I am wrong. I find myself out of the way. My thoughts are often gone astray. Like one alone I seem to be, or is there anyone like me? And when I count up all the cost, without free grace, I know I'm lost. See, they start singing those mournful hymns, mourning over their sins. You know what Jesus said about that? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know why they're mourning? Because the Spirit of God's turned the light on their sin. They can see what they are by nature. When they're born again, they wake up to the fact that I'm a vile, bankrupt sinner. You know, Peter Babs are the ones that laid me in that kind of preaching. <laughs> I'd get up here and say, you're a vile, bankrupt sinner. You say, amen, brother. <laughs> because you know the next thing I want to say is, but that's who Jesus came to save, the sinners from their sins. Well, Jesus said, the wind bloweth where it lifts without here, it's the sound thereof, thou canst not tell from whence it cometh, or whether it goeth, so is everyone. 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 You say, why do you keep repeating that? Because I want you to get it. It's everyone. No exceptions. There's not an exception for little babies. You know, you used to hear a lot about the age of innocence, the age of accountability. But ever since 10-year-olds get to started shooting 9-year-olds, they don't say talk about that much anymore, do they? Now, we have to understand that, as the psalmist said, the wicked come forth from the womb speaking lies. From the very moment that we come into this world, we prove that we're sinners by nature. But I tell you, child of God, isn't it glorious to know that the little baby goes to heaven the same way the thief on the cross did. You remember how the thief on the cross got to heaven? Here's the thief on the cross. And the Bible makes it clear that the, both thieves are railing against the Lord Jesus Christ. They're both railing against him. They joined in, both of them, mocking him. They, the Bible says that... that that the Pharisees were mocking Jesus and the, both these mocked him. They railed on him with their teeth. <laughs> said, if you're, the, if you're the son of God, come down from the cross and save yourself and us. <laughs> and the two thieves joined in. But a change comes over one of those thieves. And suddenly this thief, instead of mocking and ridiculing the Lord, says, Lord, when thou comest into thy kingdom, remember me. And Jesus turns to this man. And my mother told me this years ago, uh, some time ago, and it's been precious to me ever since. I was talking to her one day about the crucifixion. And she said, Lonnie, have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus was dying and yet he loved that thief so much he took time to reassure him that he was going to go to heaven? He didn't have to do that, you know. He didn't have to tell that thief, you'll be with me in paradise today because... He was, that thief was going to paradise, but whether he told him or not. Do you understand that? But Jesus took time in his sufferings to comfort one of his little sheep that was dying. Isn't that glorious? Isn't Jesus precious? Even in the midst of his sufferings, he, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now what made the change in that thief? Preaching the gospel to him? No. Because you remember the Bible said the preachers had all fled. They were gone. The only one left was John. 
And Jesus told him, take Mary, my mother, take her to your adopters, your mother, and take her home and take care of her. Jesus, as he's dying, made provision for his mother before he died. Hint, 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 hint. But as Jesus is dying, he tells John, and the Bible says John took his mother and from that day took care of her. John leaves with his mother. Jesus is there alone, forsaken, dying on the cross. These two thieves don't have preachers preaching to them, giving them one more chance to go to heaven before they die. And I heard a preacher say, I heard this preacher say one time, he said, well, <clears throat> this man told me one time, he said, it's not fair to bring up the thief on the cross. Jesus was there whenever he got saved. And the preacher said, well, I got news for you. Jesus is always there when a sinner gets saved. He's always there. <laughs> That's the only way somebody can be saved is by the grace of God. Jesus didn't need a preacher to save the thief on the cross. He doesn't need the... The pre preacher to save a little baby that's going to be dying in an abortion clinic tonight. He can save him before the abortionist knife gets to that little baby. Amen. And change and take that baby home to live with him in glory. I want to tell you, child of God, the Lord can say, as Elder Pilots used to say, the, the Lord's grace can beat a bullet racing toward a soldier boy's heart. And change him on the spot. Isn't that glorious? Because the wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, thou canst not help from whence it cometh the wither goes. So is everyone that is born again of the Spirit of God. So if I can find out how one person is born again, I can find out how everybody's born again. Isn't that logical? If everyone's born again the same way, then if we find out how one person is born again, then we can find out how everybody's born again. What about Saul of Tarsus? When any preacher's preaching to him, he was hunting them down and putting them in prison, torturing them and compelling them to blaspheme. He had just consented to the stoning of the last preacher he met up with, Stephen. And he's on his way down to Damascus to bind and put in prison the people of God for daring to be Christians. And he's breathing out threatenings and slaughter. But what happens? You say, well, his mama was praying for him and, and, the, and she sent this preacher to him and the preacher got there just before he got to the... You know better than that. The Lord struck that man down into the dust and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. I love to point out to God's people that when you persecute God's people, you're persecuting Jesus. He takes it personally. Because that's his bride. And Saul says, Lord, what thou have me to do? And the Lord says, you get up and go down to the house of one Ananias and he'll tell thee what great things you must suffer for my name. And this man who was the greatest enemy of the church became the greatest preacher and apostle the church ever saw other than Jesus Christ himself. What made the difference in Saul's life? The grace of God. When the, the, the sovereign work of a sovereign God struck that man down on the road to Damascus. What made the difference in the thief on the cross life? The sovereign work of a sovereign God. What made the difference in an unborn baby's life before the abortionist gets to him? The sovereign work of a sovereign God. Amen. Whenever Elizabeth came and her, whenever, whenever Mary came and, and she spoke to Elizabeth and John the Baptist heard the voice of Mary in his mother's ears, the Bible says that Elizabeth said, the babe leaped for joy. Now, who told John the Baptist Jesus Christ was near? The Holy Spirit told him that. Amen. So I'm happy to tell you that whether you're talking about babies or thieves or Abrahams or Lots or Moses or Rahabs or whoever you're talking about in this world, the reason they get to heaven is the same exact way, through the grace of a sovereign God. Amen. Blessed are your eyes because you can see that. Wouldn't it be glorious if God's people that you love could see it too? What sweet fellowship you'd be able to have with them like, you, like we have with each other if they could see what we see. But I want you to understand that this is a blessing from God. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 said this, and I, I want you to listen carefully to what Paul says here. 
Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 that when he heard of the faith of those people at Ephesus, that he began to pray for them. Now you think about this for a minute. He says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Paul says, When I heard about your faith in Jesus, I started praying for you that the Lord would open your eyes. He'd enlighten the eyes of your understanding. Now, don't tell me these people aren't saved yet. Because if you could read Ephesians chapter 1 and read through that chapter about what God says about these people, they're elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto being, well, that's Peter, Peter chapter 1, but you know what I mean. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holding without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Whenever you recognize that God has chosen these people, that in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. These people are redeemed. And wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, they're accepted to God. And then Paul says, and when you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, expect, which is the earnest of our inheritance. If these people aren't saved, I don't know who is. And yet Paul's praying that the Lord open the eyes, enlighten the eyes of their understanding. You know what that tells me? That understanding salvation by grace is the starting place, not the quitting place. That we need to pray every day, Lord, open my eyes. Isn't that what David said? Lord, open down my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I pray that prayer every day. Lord, open my eyes to behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, in other words, whenever I open the Bible, I don't just assume that I'm going to understand what I read. I know that the Lord has to open my eyes to understand it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Have you ever had that experience? You're reading a verse you've read a thousand times, and all of a sudden it leaps off the page after you. You say, well, that's what that means. You know what happened? The Lord opened the eyes of your understanding. He enlightened your eyes. And if Paul prayed for the Ephesians who were chosen, redeemed, accepted, had tasted, had, had the earnest of their inheritance, if Paul prayed for them to have their eyes open, what ought you and I to be doing for those people that can't see what we see? We ought to be praying for the Lord to open their eyes too. You see where I'm getting to? You see where I'm going with this? It, God doesn't show it to us. Excuse me. God Almighty doesn't show that to us for us to sit back and say, well, we know it, they don't. <laughs> you know, the Jews got it in their head that because they had the true worship, that meant they were the only people going to heaven. And that's where they crossed the line. Because God had a people in every nation back then, just like he does today. You know why I know that? Because when the children of Israel, who had the true worship of God, the tabernacle, coming through the wilderness, when they crossed the river Jordan, they run smack dab into a child of God named Rahab the harlot. And she was a child of God before they ever got there. And that tells me I don't, you have to be born a Jew in order to go to heaven. And it tells me that somebody can be a child of God without knowing the true worship of God. And we primitive Baptists are blessed to have the true worship of God. But we don't think that that means we're the only people going to heaven. We're just simply saying this is the way God wants to be worshipped. But anyway, if I get on that, we will be here all night. But what I want you to understand is, is that God didn't show it to us for us to just sit back and say, well, we got it. We know it. He wants us to do what? Tell it. You say, well, I, Brother Lonnie, I've tried to tell it. People can't see it. Did you pray for the Lord to open their eyes before you told them? And they say, I don't know about that, Brother Lonnie. I didn't think about that. You see, we primitive Baptists have had it drilled into us that you don't have to pray for a person to get to heaven that all the elect are going to heaven, right? We got that point. But you can't let that bleed over into the idea that a person can't see the truth unless just God picks them up by the hair of the head and shows it to them. God Almighty calls on us to what? Teach it, preach it, tell it, and live it, and pray 
that God would open their eyes to see it. Paul, see, Paul was saying to this church in Ephesus, God Almighty has done all this for you. I want you to see more. And we ought to pray that for each other. That whenever we come to church and this dear elder gets up, or one of these dear elders get up to preach, Lord, show me something I've never seen before. Bless me to hear something I've never heard before about your word. You see, God's word is like an ocean. You can swim on the surface all your lifetime and never see the depths of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. His ways are unsearchable and past finding out. The point I want you to understand then is, is that even though the gospel is not the means of salvation, it is vital for temporal salvation. A person cannot come to the knowledge of the truth and cannot come into the kingdom of God on this earth, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, until they've heard the gospel. The gospel is the means by which the Lord brings his elect out of the world into the church where they can glorify him and praise him for what he's done by his free and sovereign grace. The gospel is a message that is so precious that many of you have driven many great distances and all of us have made sacrifices financially to be here tonight because of the price of gasoline being so high and so forth. But why did we come? Because this is the most precious thing in the world to us, the knowledge of the truth. Why would we not want our children, our grandchildren, our brothers and sisters, our aunts and uncles, our cousins, our co-workers, our friends who love the Lord like we do to see what we, what we see. See, Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, you see something because you're blessed. Your eyes have been opened. Now you need to tell it to others. But we need to tell it to others knowing that we are at the... God is sovereign in who he blesses to see it. I can't make somebody see it. You can't either, can you? you we've all probably tried at some point. You, know, you, try, you think if I corner them and drill it into them, they'll finally see it. And they just get cornered and start you know, trying to find a way out. But if God blesses us to get on our knees and say, Lord, I acknowledge to you, I confess to you that what I tell can't be seen unless you open the eyes of the blind. Your children who are blind to this truth open their eyes to see it. You see, it doesn't just end up with the cross. It, it, it goes all the way through our life of discipleship. I'm going to close with this. You've been so patient and good. I'm going to close with this. Not because I want to, but because I have to. But it, I want... I want you to leave here tonight appreciating something. That if, you, if your eyes see the truth, if you know the truth of salvation by grace, blessed are your eyes. Because, listen now, because coming to the knowledge of the truth is a miracle. You know why I know that? Because when John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the one that should come or do we look for another? You know what Jesus told John the Baptist? I mean, his disciples? He said, go back and tell John that the dead, that, that, that the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised. How, talk about a miracle. And the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Having the gospel preached to a person and that person see it and believe it is a miracle of a sovereign God. You are the recipient of a miracle. Just like blind Bartimaeus, when the Lord said, what would you have me to do? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And the Lord gave him sight. Only the Lord could do that. And you have received a miracle. You say, well, I've never been naturally blind. I've always had my natural hearing. Do you know that there are people in this world who have better vision than you, better hearing than you? 
who probably are better, better in health than you are, who are totally blind to what you see tonight. They look out at the creation and they say, well, wow, what an accident. Pretty neat. I better worry about not messing it up. You know, I better not crank my car up before I need to go because I might, you know, cause some climate change. Think about how arrogant people are. You know, I'm so, I'm, we're so important, we can mess up God's world. And we're getting out of hand. <clears throat> Let me tell you, this world is dying. But it ain't because of climate change. It's because of sin. But that's another sermon for another night. Here's what I want you to leave you with. That there are many people in this world, kings have desired to see what you see. Princes, the Bible says many prophets have desired to see what you see, have not seen what you see tonight. Blessed are the eyes that see the things that you see. Your eyes are blessed. All those Old Testament kings and prophets, they would have loved to have seen what you see tonight. They searched, searching what manner of time the Spirit of God which was in them did testify that not unto them but unto us he did give the things that we reported to you by the gospel. It's a mystery kept from the foundation of the world, and you see it. You see it. The world despises you. The world thinks you're a bunch of dumb, rednecks, ignorant, unlearned people. The world just thinks it's the most ridiculous thing in the world on Friday night to go to church, listen to a man preach, because they don't see it. They don't see what you see. But your eyes are blessed. Just before Brother Hurst came to my, the farm where I live, my aunt has a house across the creek. It's a nice house, large, many bedrooms, facilities. And she told me years ago, she said, anytime primitive Baptists are coming through or going through a meeting, you're welcome to use it. It's a summer house. She's never there, especially now that she's 95. And she said, you can use it anytime you want to. And before we have meetings, or I know some primitive Baptists are coming through, I'll get the cleaning crew to come. And I'll say, I want you to do an extra good job on my aunt's house, cleaning it up, getting it ready, because royalty is coming to stay here. Kings, priests, ambassadors. You say, what in the world? You're talking about kings and priests unto God. Amen. Ambassadors for Christ. That's who's coming to my house. I want to tell you, I've been blessed in my life to know the royal people of God, and I'm looking at them tonight. I'm looking at God's royalty tonight. But you're not royal because of who you are and what you've done you're royal because of the imputed righteousness of a sovereign God Amen. from his son to you. You're here by the grace of God. And there are kings and prophets in the Old Testament that would have loved to have seen what you see tonight. So if you forget everything else I said tonight, remember two things. First of all, God has performed a miracle in my life. Because my eyes see what Brother Lonnie preached. I can see the gospel. I can see the truth. I can see that Jesus Christ saved his people from their sins. I see it. And, on way, and, I, know I, and I see it because the Lord has blessed my eyes to see it. So you give God the glory, right? And the other thing you do is you go away from here saying, Lord, all these people that love you like I do, that can't see it, open their eyes. Open their eyes that whenever I tell them one more time the sweet old gospel story, they'll say, you know what? I see it. I see it now. I see it. And when they see it, you know what? They'll love it just like you do. May God richly bless you as my prayer.